Welcome to the Feminist Fight Club podcast. I'm Bella, your host, and happy belated International Women's Day. Also, happy Women's History Month. This week's episode will be focusing on my experience with feminism, and additionally, growing up during the Me Too movement and the fourth wave of feminism and being a member of Gen Z. Plus, I'll be discussing my plans for the future, college, and whatnot. Feminist history is often brushed over in history classes, so I'm here to educate you. So let's get started. So this is going to be more like a free-flowing kind of just like my open thought sort of episode because obviously this is my experience and so like there's not really history. I guess it's my history, but why not? So the first thing I'm going to talk about um, is kind of Gen Z. I'm a member of Gen Z rewriting the feminist playbook. I read this article by Vice and it was, and and there's another one by like uh, Hustle, Bustle, Hustle, whatever. It's like something like an article, like I think it's written by millennials or whatever, but I read, the, I read in these two separate articles that they feel like Gen Z is rewriting the feminist playbook. And I feel like it's true. I mean, I think we have to say, I feel like my generation is more intersectional when it comes to feminism. I feel like in second wave and first wave and even the third wave in feminism, I feel like they've really focused on just white women. And I feel like, I mean, there's obviously been separate groups of kind of different women working on it, but I feel like members of Generation Z, I feel like have come together to work and kind of see the common issues and the common goals that we all are kind of fighting for. Um, I feel like maybe uh, the other thing is I feel like I feel I just have a lot of feelings about this all. I think the other thing is we're we're allowed to be open and it's more acceptable in our culture now to be part of the LGBTQ plus community. And so I think that's why you also have to consider it being an intersectional experience because there's not, you know, transgender women going through their own experiences as women in the American culture and the world. And that's their own separate issues. I mean, I can only see it from my point of view. And so, you know, it's always interesting to me to hear different experiences. Um, I think the other thing is growing up during the hashtag me too movement. I mean, that started to happen when I was in eighth grade. So, I mean, I think as I've gotten older, I think I've seen more men in power positions being held accountable. I think the first thing kind of person I saw was Matt Lauer kind of been outed with all of that. Um, you can obviously, if you don't know what happened to you, kind of, I don't know, I think he, like just, if you're interested, you can look it up. Like it will come short, it'll be all over the web because I don't know. I remember watching this today show that morning and Hoda and um, Savannah Gunthrie were like shocked. They were in tears. Like they had just been told before they went on the air. And I remember watching on being like, oh my God, like that's crazy. I mean, I don't think it's crazy. I think it's important that we're holding men accountable for their actions. I think for hundreds of years, I mean, since the beginning of time, I think men have not been held accountable for what they've done and they've been able to get away with all this crap. Um, I mean, we can look at our, you know, past president, Donald J. Trump, like he, we, there's a record of him saying sexist, misogynistic, saying horrible things about women, and yet he still can get away with it. Um, you know, the Hollywood access tapes, and yet here he was elected still because white supremacists, misogynists, just horrible people were like, oh, it's okay. And I feel like he perpetuated a culture of 
sexism, misogyny, racism, xenophobia, all the things. And yet, because of his presidency for the past four years, it's been made okay under him and under the Republican leadership. Hopefully, I think it's changing. I mean, I think with Kamala Harris in power, vice president, I think it was a big step. And someone brought up to like to me, I think, do you think it's tokenism? I said, I don't think it's tokenism. She's very, very, very qualified to be vice president. I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it's important to have diverse voices in power because they didn't explain, they don't experience everything the same way we do. You know, I think that's the issue. One of the many issues with Trump's administration is because it's all white people and plus he's racist, but you know what I mean? Like he didn't have anyone besides Ben Carson, but I don't really count Ben Carson as doing anything for the black community. I mean, I don't know. I'm not black, but I just find it frustrating. I think, sorry, like I was dying and drink water, but I think adding on to my back, my other points where it was kind of holding men accountable for their actions, men, boys, whatever. I think that also goes back to teenage boys. I think for the past four years again, and maybe it's the culture, maybe it's the place, the school I go to, but I feel like casual sexism and misogyny is acted like it's okay. It's the norm. And sometimes I'm just tired of being the only one that's holding them out or holding them accountable. Like, I think it's just, it's frustrating that my school's administration, when I brought it up in the past, it's just like, oh, you know, it's just what they do. And I'm like, okay, just because they do it doesn't mean it's okay. And I find it extremely frustrating that my school just turns a blind eye to this and how the dress code they enforce is incredibly sexist and how it only affects girls, young teenage girls already with body issues and image issues. And it's just frustrating that for some reason, this is okay. It's made okay. And when you bring it up to the administration, bring it up to teachers, they're like, they just play it off like it's nothing, which I find even more frustrating because they're just perpetuating and continuing this, continue this, continuing this culture of girls, young girls, teenage girls, whatever, being shamed of our bodies, being told what to wear, being told always what to do. Um, I think that extends to my other point was I read this article by the New York Post and I think of a UK newspaper, I can't remember what it's called, but half a Gen Z men, so like 16 through 24, think feminism has gone too far. Um, in particular, there's an article, the article from the Eric Post is these men feel like they're keep wrong, be, they're being wrongfully accused of sexual assault, rape, etc. But I'm like, my thought is maybe you shouldn't be doing something that could get you accused or possibly accused of doing this stuff. So like, I don't know, just a thought. And especially in the UK, there's like far right extremists. I mean, there's happens in the US, but more specifically in groups that like lead to high levels of sexism, high levels of misogyny and like the con- continuing because of the people in power across the globe and plus the world, like, you know, this is made to seem okay. You know, just, just, I don't know, maybe it's the people in charge, just a thought, just, you know, just from someone, a young girl who's gone through this, just a thought, you know? Um, I think, I think my experience of feminism has been interesting because I've grown up in a very pivotal time. I think 
I mean, when I was born, it was born in 2004. So George W. Bush was still in office four years before Obama, you know, the whole deal. I was four, I was four years old when Obama was inaugurated. And I think that was a really pivotal point in my life. I think, you know, being four years old and seeing a black man gets worn into office made me think, okay, like if you can do it, I can do it. You know, I, I just, I felt like it was nice to see other than someone, someone other than a white man have power. And I think it's frustrating to hear or read articles that are like, is Barack Obama black enough? Like, that's not my place to talk about, but I don't know if it is my place. I don't know. I don't have the resources. I don't have the information to talk about that, but it's like, why can't he just be himself? Like, why does he have to, I understand the pivotalness of his like presidency, obviously, like I'm not stupid, but sometimes I just don't get why people are like, oh, he's not black enough. Like, what does that mean? I don't get it. Um, and I think that goes back to, you know, Gen Z men, Gen Z young men of Generation Z, the, the generation I'm a part of acting like, oh, it's not important. It's like, well, we all, it's, there's equality for all. And feminism also affects you because in our culture and Western culture and, you know, culture around the world, you're told to kind of be this one thing in this small box. And for men, especially they're not told they can't be emotional. They can only have certain careers. They can't bend outside of the lines. And it's kind of, it's embarrassing that yet some men hyper-masculine, they have this fragile egos that are like, oh, I don't need it. I'm perfectly fine being told, you know, I can only have these careers only can dress a certain way, you know, et cetera. And I feel like for young women, for me, especially, I think it's been an interesting time because I feel like I'm able to be more myself in some aspects of my life. I feel like I can be whoever I want growing up in this culture, which I think is really important. I feel like not everyone has that opportunity and for me, like I'll be forever and grateful for that because I'm able to express myself and be able to be opinionated. And I don't know, I, I'm I can, I'm allowed to enjoy school. I want to go to college. I want to be in, I'm involved in politics. I think social activism is important. Like I like to read. Like there's just a lot about me that I think if I was born 70 years ago, I don't think that would have been okay. You know what I mean? Um, I think my experience as feminism has been positive, but also I think I've dealt with kind of a lot of kind of mental health issues within that kind of, I felt like I kind of going into my plans for the future issues, I feel like I've struggled a lot with kind of having this immense amount of pressure on myself to always be perfect and always kind of live up to everyone's expectations of myself, expectations for myself. And I feel like that is a real issue. I think within my generation, within society, I think I've struggled the fact that all they do is to tell you, oh, keep studying. You know, you got to get into college, keep studying. You get into college for more years. You're like, oh, you need to get your, make sure your resume looks good, study harder. And I just feel like sometimes I'm like, what's the point? You know, I find it's like, you just, it's just a continuous loop of just like people telling you, oh, you know, you just need to work a little harder. And it's like, at what point do you just give up? I mean, 
when people talk about the mental health crisis within Generation Z, it's like, no wonder why, because we're all seeing this issue of like, why are we doing this? Like, we're not members, we're not baby boomers, we're not millennials, we're not gen, we're not Gen X, we're not just going to get walked all over here. I think we all have a point. I think a lot of us see, I'm not trying to generalize, but I think a lot of members of Generation Z see this issue where it's like, I don't think we, we're not our parents. We're not Gen Z, we're not Gen X, we're not millennials, we're not that, we're our own separate identities. And you see millennials online giving craft to teenagers, like, don't they have anything better to do? Don't they have adulting to do? like adulting in air quotes, you know what I mean? Don't they have BuzzFeed quizzes to take, like get over themselves. Um, But it's just like, for me at least, it's like, what the heck? And I just feel like we just live in this kind of world where I feel like Gen Z, whoever, we're always being compared to one another. I feel like young girls, I mean, I am, I've experienced this, but we're always comparing ourselves to our friends to people you know we're always being compared to one another and I feel like it's just not um okay you know I feel like we can do better than this like this is not how it's supposed to be but here we are um and I feel like that also goes back to what my other point was these men are like oh it's not important like why are you still fighting for this you have the equal pay act but like that's not enough just because you said, oh, you know, you give us the Equal Pay Act, whatever, that doesn't mean the fight is over for feminism. The fight for feminism will never be over until we're equal. And I see, I feel like it's frustrating because these men in power are acting like, oh, we've done so much for you. But it's like, have you? Have you really? Like, I don't think so. Um, and I think that leads to like, a part of Gen Z that I don't really associate with, but is a thing. I think performative activism is a major issue and I feel like it's never addressed at all. Like it's just not talked about. And I've talked about this before. I think with my mom, my um, just different adults because I feel like they have a different perspective about it because social media, they didn't grow up with social media. I think... I think people can repost Instagram posts with a blink of an eye. Like they, they don't even worry. Like there's not a care in the world, no matter, they don't care as long as, as long as it makes them look good. I feel like that's the issue with part of my generation and part of society, even like not just my generation, it happens all across generations that are still alive and are on social media, whatever. I feel like they just repost things to make themselves look good, to think, make people think, oh, they care. You know, they don't really don't, but some people can just repost and not even blink. Like they do no research in, into the matter of what they're reposting about. And like, for example, the feminist Instagram on the uh, feminist, it's called like, just called feminist on, it's the page on Instagram. I think it has like, it has multi-million, millions and millions of Instagram followers. And yet there's like no real, most people don't know the history behind it. Um, It was created and founded by two white men, heterosexual men, cisgender, whatever, that are in their late 20s, like millennials. And it's kind of odd that two men are running um, an account about feminism. No offense. It's a little weird. Um, I mean, it's important. I mean, men should be involved in this, but 
they're profiting off young girls, young women, like doing this. So posting, liking, whatever, resharing their posts, their social media. And most of the time their stuff is plagiarized. Like you never actually see their own made, like no, they don't, you don't actually see their own like posts. They always repost or often they don't give credit where credit is due. And they often get called out for plagiarizing, but nothing happens because most people don't know about what's going on. Um, I think that's the issue with performative activism is I'm often told, oh, Bella, you need to give them grace. You know, they don't know, but I'm like, I've been giving grace since forever and I'm kind of over it. I mean, I've been giving grace with how people handle the loss of my dad. I'm like, I've been giving grace since I'm 10 years old. I'm kind of over it. Um, I think I felt kind of, it's kind of frustrating. I mean, I can't imagine not being like, I'm white and I don't even, I'm only experiencing half of it. And so, you know, I can't speak from a different perspective. I can only speak from mine, but like, it's just frustrating to see these people just benefiting off something that we have, we have to work on something that we have to do because, because no one else is going to do it. Like you have to get up and stand up and I don't know, march the polls, do whatever, shout from the, from the roofs and just kind of make your voice heard and make people realize like, and disrupt the flow. I feel like I've got, I've done that. I've kind of like been, I've been able to put my foot down. And I think that has a lot to do with, cause I'm white, you know, whatever. Um, not whatever, but you know what I mean? Like I've been able to stand up and kind of been like, no, this is not okay. Like, this is not, no, this, this is not okay. This is not going to go on in my school. I'm done with this sort of deal, but I don't think I would have the same opportunity if I wasn't white. And I have to realize that, that my voice, I'm able to use my very privileged position in life and I hope I, and been able to use my voice. And I think that's really important. Um, and I feel like white women, white people just in general kind of are able to sit back and take a back seat to this all because it's like, oh, it doesn't really affect us or whatever. But it's like, if you just sit back and say nothing, you're just as much part of the problem as the people that are like anti-feminist, anti-misogynistic people. Um, and so it's just like, I think that's the issue with performative activism is like, they can just repost. But if you, you know, ask them about it, they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just kind of reposted it. I'm like, okay, well, I called your bullshit. So here we are. Um. I think it's about just sometimes I think kind of we talk I talked about earlier holding people accountable, but I think it's not just men. I think other women, you know, non-binary folk, whoever, you need to just hold people accountable for what they say. And I feel like that also starts with holding women accountable for, you know, just being well, well, slut-shaming other women, girls, whoever, and making fun of them. I mean. This goes on in my school, I'm sure it goes on in all schools, and it happens post-high school, whatever, that girls will tear each other down just to get ahead. Like, there's, I just find it frustrating that we're, we're in 2021, and yet here we are, still fighting each other, like, still arguing with one another about un, not important things. We should be fighting, we should be conquering 
destroying the patriarchy, but here we are still fighting over petty things. Um, and I think my experience has been overall very positive, but I think sometimes it's just frustrating because I feel like I'm doing the most I can, but yet other people can just sit back and do nothing. Like, it's just, it's frustrating that it's this culture of white privilege and I don't know, it's just frustrating. I mean, it's just overall, I think all of this is frustrating and I can't get my anger off because I go to school with these people that have no, they don't care. I don't know if they don't care, but I think it's just like, they're able to sit back and not make a comment on it, not say anything. It's like, okay, I see, I see you. And I'm not going to let that go. And I know I try not to hold grudges, but it's also like, I'm just kind of done with you. Like if you're not, if you're not going to sit, if you're just going to sit there and let this happen and let some white lacrosse playing dude make fun of someone with a learning disability, then I don't, I don't want to associate with you. I'm done. Like it's not, that's, I think that's just the done. I'm just, that's it. Um, I think the other point is maybe what can we do as, I mean, what can I do? What can you do next? How can you get involved? I think it starts with just reading, listening to other people's experiences. Um, you can, there's like hundreds and hundreds of books. I'm sure like if you're interested, I can recommend some. And I think also there's like, there's really good documentaries about feminism and kind of how it affects different generations. I mean, I think for me, at least, it's been really interesting to kind of see how feminism has affected generations of American women across, like since suffrage, since suffrage, before we could even vote. I mean, it's only been 100 years since white women got the vote. And so it's just like, it's astonishing to me, all of it. I mean, it's not astonishing, but it's also, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's astonishing, but not at the same time. Um, I think... I'm always kind of thinking, like, what can I do next? Um, that's just who I am. I'm always thinking. I'm always kind of, I think it's it's hard because I'm not 18 yet, so I, I, can't, I can't vote. I can't do any of this stuff. I'm not able to apply for internships. But this podcast is one way I'm educating people about feminism and female history. And I think it's important because obviously like at the beginning of my podcast I say I ever in my intro they don't talk about feminist history that's not something that they're worried about they briefly mention over briefly I mean briefly briefly the 19th amendment I'm in American history this year I'm in 11th grade and yet they didn't even mention it didn't even cross their mind it's it's women's history month and yet they did nothing said nothing I don't know. I just find that problematic. Um, I mean, generations of American women have done everything for my me being able to vote, me being able to go to school. Um, and it's just like, it's kind of disappointing. And I'm thinking about what can I do to better that? What can I do for people that are younger than me? I'm always just thinking about that. So now I'm going to talk about my plans for the future, the, my the plans for the podcast. Um, I don't really know how long this will last. I think 
this actually sparked out of a school project, but it's honestly become like one of the highlights of my week to sit down and research and record these episodes. Um, so I definitely plan on continuing this into the summer. Um, most likely it will, it will slow down or end in August. Um, you know, obviously I'm a junior, I'll be applying to college come August for starting August 1st. Um, I've got a lot of questions about like where I'm going to college or I want to go to college sort of deal. So I thought I would address it on here because adults watch this and those are the ones I ask curious. So I think my top school right now is Wellesley College. Um, It's located 20 minutes outside of Boston. It's a historical women's college. They accept transgender women. So I don't know why they call it historically. I don't know. That's besides the point. Um, I also really like Fordham um university um in, in george washington and american so i'll probably end up staying on the i'm definitely staying on the east coast somewhere in the northeast from like massachusetts to washington dc get my drift um oh i hate that i said that i'm so sorry um and i think i really want to major in political science and i'm considering minoring and in uh gender studies or women's studies whatever you want to call it some schools they call it feminist studies depends on the school um I actually yeah so I think I'm just excited to for my future honestly I'm just excited to be done with high school if that makes any sense for me at least I just have never seen the hype in high school I don't know I hate that I had hype and like yeah, whatever. I I need to stop. Um, I just feel like I don't know. High school is just not for me, and I'm looking forward to college. And I think, like, I think my mom has said this, but I definitely will find my people once I get to college. Like, high school is just not my thing. People kind of suck, and that's on that. Um, I just wanted to kind of share my plans for the future because people have been asking for the past since basically Christmas break or winter break, and thought maybe this was the best opportunity because. So I can just kind of talk and ramble for however long. So that's are my plans for the future. So thank you for listening to the Feminist Fight Club podcast. Um, I hope you all have enjoyed listening to kind of my experience with feminism, my plans for the future, just all of that kind of being a member of Gen Z and everything. Um, so next week's episode will be about kind of well, not be kind, it will be about LGBTQ plus um, women part of the community because I want to expand to all kind of women, you know, because they're different narratives and whatnot. And every episode will, every, episodes will be posted every Friday and I hope to see you next, all next week. See you all soon.